Blue Wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jason takes it himself, look at him turn back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankle. Mahomes lines it up, wide open as Hill. All right, welcome back here to the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ari Marov. Haven't done one of these in a while, but with the draft now behind us, we had to bring it back. A lot to talk about, a lot happened, and there's no better way to do it than to have a guest on as well. My good friend from ESPN, Jordan Schultz, is joining me. Jordan, welcome. What's happening, my friend? What's up? <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Yeah, listen, a lot happened over the last couple of weeks, especially with the draft. We had a lot of surprises. I want to talk about all of it. But, you know, I, I got to start with one story that, you know, took over the draft. And that's Aaron Rodgers. You know, when you saw this story about Aaron, and now we have more details about it, what did you think about it? And what do you think is going to happen over here? Because I feel like it's going to get serious in a few weeks, yeah. in a few months. Yeah, I've been, so I'm still navigating this thing myself with, you know, reaching out to people around the league. But my sense is that it's very real. And this has been, this, this has been going on for quite some time. You know, we, we all know that we all know the, um, the, the writing on the wall that they, he's been there since 05. They never drafted a receiver in the first round. Uh, they got hammered last year for not doing it. And that was by me, including, including me. Then this year they pass again and take a, a good corner and Eric Stokes, but nonetheless, not a receiver. And it's been, it's been a problem, you know, for a long time. And, you know, they, they, they took, when they took Jordan love, I think their thought process was, you know, this will be, this will blow over. But the issue is that Rogers issues, with the organization goes so far back to the Mike McCarthy years that this has been percolating for a long time and, and love is far from ready. And so, you know, he, remember he wasn't their, their number two last year. He didn't dress, you know, he's, he's, he was a project when they took him and he's still a very young quarterback with, with very few reps. So I think Rogers has obviously all the leverage and for the Packers to come out and say, we're not going to trade him is, is them basically being like, we're not going to, publicly deface themselves but you know they're they're in a really tough position because their franchise is not happy has publicly said it and whether or not you agree with him you know he did it differently than than russell wilson but whether or not you agree with him that's the situation that we're in and, and i think it's going to be um i think we're just getting started on it. Yeah, I think it's just starting right now when it comes to it being in the public, right? This has been going on privately for a while now, but now everybody knows about it. Here's the thing for me. Do you think there's a way where this could actually be resolved, where he actually does come back to Green Bay? Because when I look at this, I believe Aaron is very strategic. He's very smart. What he wants to do is what he is going to do. And he already has a legacy in Green Bay. He's been there for 16 years. He won a Super Bowl. He's had a lot of memories there. I think he does not want to be the villain in all of this. And that's why he's trying to do this in a very specific or strategic way. But do you see a scenario where this could actually come back and Green Bay has him come back for another year or for multiple years? Ryan Gunnikens, the GM, has buried himself. Uh, and he, I think as a result, the answer is no, I don't think there is a reconciliation. And I was in the camp of, despite the differences, they'll figure it out. And then I changed to, okay, this, this, this is a problem. And now I'm at the point where I think it's, it's the point of no return. Um, I would be very surprised if Aaron Rodgers is a Packer in week one, 
I really would. Um, I don't know if Jordan Love would be the starter. Maybe they would go out and get a veteran, but I don't think it's going to be Rodgers. And for me to be in that position, for me to say that, I think is for it, it says a lot to myself at least because I never thought I'd be there. I I thought they at least had one more year with them, you know. And so um, I don't I don't know if Rodgers, I don't know where he would end up. You know, the asking price is going to be astronomical. There's probably five to seven teams that can go out and get him. But he's uh, he's made it very he's made it abundantly clear that he doesn't want to be in Green Bay. You know, the wild thing for me is that all of this was avoidable, right? None of this had to happen. None of it, right? Coming off the NFC Championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl, move up for a quarterback. We've talked about that so much. The thing for me is that, let's just say Atlanta took a quarterback this year at number four. Matt Ryan would totally understand the decision. When the Giants took a quarterback at number six, Eli Manning knew that he was close to done, right? The Packers coming off the championship game, one game away from the Super Bowl, and then trading up for Aaron and not telling him was really where it just set him off. I mean, we already knew that he was pissed off with Mike McCarthy a little bit, but that, they got a new coach, everything was fine, it felt like everything was good. Now all this happens, and it's blowing up once again, and for me, as I said before, I believe if Aaron really wants to get out of there, it's going to happen. He doesn't need the money, he doesn't need anything else, he's got to paid more than enough, he'll sit out if he has to. I really, really, truly believe that. The bigger thing for me right now is, the Packers traded up for Jordan Love. I don't really know if he's ready to play. That's the bigger question for me. Do the Packers think that he's ready to be a starting quarterback on a team that has the pieces ready to go and have a chance to go back to where they were last year in the NFC Championship game, right? The Packers still have a lot of good players. They still have a very good offensive line and weapons. Is Jordan Love the quarterback? I don't know if he's ready. He he's when they drafted him, he threw, you know, he he had a ton of interceptions his final year at Utah State. He had a new coordinator, so it was kind of passed over, but he he's, you know, probably at least another year away from starting. So I think they would go out and get a veteran. Maybe they would try to get Jimmy Garoppolo, but you know, the Rogers is under contract through the 20, 2023 season. So he has two more years under contract, um, which, but he doesn't have any more guaranteed money. So that's, I guess the, the, the slight leverage that maybe the Packers have, but Rodgers, at this point, you, you said he, his, his legacy is intact. You know, he's a historian, and he knows that he needs to win at least one more Super Bowl to put himself into that elite elite category of multiple Super Bowl winning quarterbacks. So, uh, you know, he if he were hypothetically to say, let me just stay and, and, do, and play one more year here, you know, who's to say they wouldn't make a run and then <laughs> win a Super Bowl and then and try to make it make it work. But I, I just think we're, we're past that. And um, you know, it's almost irrelevant whether or not Jordan Love is ready. Here's the one thing about this that I think is not getting talked about enough is that with all this going down, I believe Aaron does not want to become the villain in all of this, right? When this was going on with Brett Favre, Brett Favre became the hated guy. He became the villain in Green Bay. For Aaron Rodgers to get out of there, he wants the focus to be on the Packers and the front office, and it's their fault why this is happening. It's not me, it's them. And for now, I believe the public perception is that the Packers are really the one who's are, who are wrong over here, and Rodgers has a reason to be right, and Rodgers should get out of there, and Rodgers should find a new team. For now, when I look online, when I hear Packers fans, that's what I see right now, and I think Rodgers wants it to stay like that, until he gets traded and forever and forever, right? He wants to be a Packer for life. And the team is the reason why I'm leaving. That's what he wants the headlines to be. 
but Green Bay, the the Packer fans, if you listen to local radio, and I'm I'm sick, so I listen to local radio. Uh, all three, you know, I want to I want to hear what they're saying. There's definitely some uproar, you know. Uh, it's not as much as far, that's for sure. Not as much as far, uh, but it's a it's a it's a tough situation for for the Packers because you know their franchise has been defined by the last the last two quarterbacks they've had, and so to not have stability all of a sudden there when you believe you have a championship roster is demoralizing. Uh, and, you know, we'll, we'll see if the league pursues all these tampering things and the Packers saying they're not happy. Other teams contacted him. And um, but really, the bottom line is uh, for the first time in a long time, uh, well, since 05, but Rogers, I, I believe, won't. I don't I, I don't think he'll be a Packer uh, for week one. Yeah, you know, I know it's bad. I really don't know how bad it is. I really don't know if there's a way of resolving this. Maybe the one way is if, and again, I don't really think money really matters to him anymore, um, but if they were to renegotiate a contract, and the Packers don't do this traditionally, the way they set up their contract, but if they were to redo his contract where he's essentially locked in, it's impossible to get out of his contract for the next three years, let's say, and he is the guaranteed starter over there, right? It's impossible to trade him, impossible to release him, impossible to move on. He's the guy, and there's no doubt about it. Maybe he comes back. The thing is, I really don't know if that's going to help. I really think it's that bad. And my next question about this, and the final thing we'll talk about when it comes to Rodgers, is if he does get traded, where do you want to see him going? Uh, man, that's tough. Okay, so... I mean, in theory, Denver, uh, Denver, and the, the teams in theory that make the most sense would probably be Denver, Washington, maybe Miami. Uh, the Raiders are, are probably in that mix. Basically, teams that that need a quarterback that also have draft capital or believe they're, you know, a good quarterback away, let alone a great one at Rodgers to winning a Super Bowl. So, you know, let's let's take the um, Washington football team for example. You know, it's a perfect. The reason I would say them is they really don't have like I love Heineke. They signed Fitzpatrick, but they believe in their and rightfully so they have a championship defense. And they're starting to build a really good offense in terms of skill position. So if you were to bring in Aaron Rodgers all of a sudden, they're that that team would be one of the Super Bowl favorites. I mean, they're they're on the verge of that. You know, they're they're probably gonna be the heavy favorites to win the division as it is. So I, I think you know, Washington, but the asking price, like I said, is gonna be enormous. So are you willing to part with three or four years of draft capital? Um, with the hope of winning a Super Bowl in the next couple of years, are you that confident in your roster? You know, when you talk about confidence in a roster, I, I look at Denver. I mean, that's going to be the team that I'm watching throughout this. First of all, they're in the AFC. Different conference. I think that matters over here. But look at that team offensively and defensively. The offensive line there was much better last year, especially at left tackle of Garrett Bowles, who looked like a bust for the first three years of his career, then all of a sudden became just an all-pro type of a player and got an extension. Weapons, you have Sutton coming back from the ACL, Judy, Hamler, Noah Fant, Melvin Gordon, they traded up for a running back. Defensively, of course, you have Vaughn and Chubb. The secondary is stacked. They used the ninth overall pick on another cornerback. They signed Darby. They brought back Kareem Jackson. They extended Justin Simmons. That team has pieces there to win. It's the quarterback that's the problem there, and Drew Locke is not the answer. Teddy Bridgewater is not the future answer there. They could be a team that would make sense, but 
I don't think this happens anytime soon. I think this is something that's going to stretch into training camp. And if Aaron Rodgers does not show up for training camp, then this is really serious and I could see it happening then. But until then, it's going to take time. But, you know, this is the time of year where it's dead in the offseason. There's not much going on. This offseason will be different. There will be a lot to talk about with all of these quarterbacks that are making a lot of noise. Alright, let's shift over to the draft now because a draft did happen and a lot did go down and we had some surprises. I want to start at number two because I'm from New York, you're from New York. What do you think of how Joe Douglas has been building this roster, his offseason so far? I've said it for a while that I like what he has planned and I think we're finally seeing his vision. Well, they they have, for the first time, some optimism, you know, and um, we, I've certainly been critical of Joe Douglas with his handling of different situations, especially the Jamal Adams situation. But you know, they they bring in a great, I think, a great young head coach, and they have, to me, one of the real steals of the draft. I said it on draft day when they drafted Michael Carter um, from North Carolina. They ended up getting both Michael Carters. Oh, yes. who I love the Duke defensive back. Um, they drafted, to me, a potential superstar in Zach Wilson. Um, they per, did they reach on Vera Tucker perhaps, but they need to fortify the offensive line. So now they have him and Becton for a quarterback. And then they went out and got Elijah Moore, who was probably the best route runner in the draft. If you talk to most scouts and, you know, one of these guys that is going to make an instant impact. So they did an unbelievable job in the draft. I gave them an A and then, um, you know, they, they have an opportunity now from an offensive standpoint to actually be pretty damn good and i'm excited about that if i'm a jeff fan so i went back this morning to check this out on october 13 2020 when the jets were winless i tweeted the following quote i'll say something right now that might not be so popular jets gm joe douglas has a vision he inherited a huge mess from the previous regime he's been cleaning that up over the last year jets have picks they have cap and there's a good chance he'll pick his own head coach you need to have patience. I wrote that. I tweeted that. I think that vision is starting to take place. I think the general fan is starting to see what the Jets are doing. They have two first-round picks and two second-round picks once again next year. Robert Sala's energy is infectious. Mike LaFleur is the new offensive coordinator. And for people who don't know much about him, when Matt LaFleur, uh, Mike's brother, the Packers head coach, he wanted to hire his brother onto his staff. Kyle Shanahan blocked it because that's how important Mike LaFleur was to Kyle Shanahan. So he is now the new offensive coordinator in New York. Zach Wilson is someone that so many people talk about as a potential superstar if he develops the right way. I mean, the things that he does on the field is stuff that we do not see often on the football field, right? And he enters an offense, this is the best part about it, he enters an offense with better players than Sam Darnold ever had in New York. So I look at what Joe Douglas has done so far, I think it might take another year, but the Jets could be a team to be reckoned with very soon because he is building a team the correct way. He's not overspending in free agency the way the previous regime did. He is going to build this team slowly but surely, but eventually it's going to be a very good team. Well, Zach Wilson has um, as much natural talent and, and ability as, as, I mean, if you, like, I'm not a quarterback evaluator, but when you start asking people around the league about this guy, the, the, the comparisons to Aaron Rodgers and Mahomes, I mean, it wasn't just like random. That, that 
that's what you kept hearing. And the fact that he is, and I can tell you this definitively, he is a total gym rat, film rat, whatever you want to call it. I mean, they, the, you know, go back to last season and, and BYU had this weird schedule and like everybody else, but like they didn't even play Coastal Carolina. They didn't know until two or three days before. And he's in, he's, he gets them ready to play that game. They ultimately lose, but you know, he played, um, I thought as well as, as, as you can play the position despite uh, not great circumstances. And I think, you know, I've heard, I've heard detractors say, well, he didn't play great competition. I think, listen, the guy's going to be a superstar. I think he's tailor-made for New York, his style, kind of that swashbuckling style. And like you said, he, he already has more help before he steps into the building than Sam Darnold ever did. And uh, I really do love the fact that they got, Vera Tucker, he's going to be a really good, great guard. And then, I, like I said, the Elijah Moore and Carter picks, those are really high-level players from day one. Yeah, I mean, the pieces are there. Corey Davis, um, Elijah Moore, Denzel Mims, Keelan Cole, and then Jamison Crowder is still there for now. He has a $10 million salary for next season. But those are the receivers. Chris Hurden is the tight end. He has not blossomed yet, but a lot of people still believe there is a lot of room there for him to grow. The offensive line, you have Vera Tucker now at left guard. You have Mikai Becton at left tackle. That is the left side for Zach Wilson for the next 10 years. That is set up now as well. Robert Sala is not a person in the world who does not like Robert Sala. He's the head coach. If you're a Jets fan... There is optimism here that you're going to be good. And then again, you come back next year, two first-round picks, two second-round picks. This is a team that there's finally some buzz around here in New York for the Jets. Let's move move over to number three overall, where the 49ers kept everyone in the dark for a full month and then drafted Trey Lance. What did you think of that pick? Well, the the, the Niners had kind of the ultimate smokescreen, if you will, uh, because for a long time, we believed it was going to be Mac Jones and then the odds changed last minute to Trey Lance. And then you thought, well, could they potentially get Justin Fields? They really did an incredible job of keeping that close to the vest. And when it comes to Trey Lance, um, you know, the hardest part for Trey Lance is going to be, you know, he really hasn't played a lot of football, you know, um, this season, he had the one showcase game. He did not play well. And he has like the f- 300, what, something throws in his college career, which I think is the, the fewest number ever for a top five pick. Um, him and Mark Sanchez. I mean, he, he really hasn't played a lot of football. The upside for Trey Lance, though, is is special. I mean, he has all the tools. And talk about having the tailor-made offense and a coordinator in Kyle Shanahan who's going to Get this guy so prepared to succeed. And they have weapons. I, I love the pick. I wonder for you, in your sense, do you think they should have gone fields? Because obviously both those guys play in and out of the pocket. And if you were going to go with that style of quarterback, do, do you think it should have been someone who was more experienced? Here's my problem. I really don't understand this because ultimately what we know is that they came down to Trey Lance and Mac Jones. Justin Fields, for some reason, was number five on their board. And Justin Fields ended up sliding to number 11. And if Chicago didn't trade up, how far would he have slid? That's really what I don't understand. So what I want to know is really why did San Francisco end up going with Lance or Mac Jones? And what do they see 
in Justin Fields that made them go, no, we don't want him. That's what I don't understand. I always thought that Justin Fields would fit that offense more. You see in the division, of course, you have Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson. I think you adding a Justin Fields would be a court, that type of a quarterback for Kyle Shannon. And what he could draw up with him would be just fascinating. My question has always been, what in the world happened that Justin Fields slid that far? And what know. happened that yeah. Kyle Shannon had said, now nah, I'd rather have one of these two? I really don't know. And I thought the Justin Fields uh, analytics, you know, that he was so over scrutinized. Like, you know, he, okay, so there was more tape on him. So we scrutinized him than more so than we did Lance, who didn't play a lot. And, you know, whether, like, it's fine to like one more than the other, but for Fields to have been that low on their board, um, it, it really is surprising. I think he's going to be a great player. In terms of Lance, you know, the 6'4", 230-pound um, frame, uh, really strong runner, twitchy enough. You know, I think I think it was Daniel Jeremiah who said he thought he was above average arm strength. He's accurate. He, he's, he's very accurate. Um, and he, teammates loved him. I think he's going to be a great player. I really do. And um, I'm excited to see what they do with him early. Um, do they keep Garoppolo? Do they sit Lance? I, I think maybe Lance sits a little bit, but uh, you can see him with Kyle Shanahan in three years being like one of these dynamo playmaking quarterbacks, man. And he's still very young. He's, he's not even 21 yet. Yeah, but he's only 20 years old. And ultimately, I think they believe that Kyle can mold any of these quarterbacks. And really, when it comes to quarterbacks in the draft, it's really all situational, right? What are they walking into? Like Lance in San Francisco, he's walking with Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Dren Williams at left tackle, one of the best offensive minds in the league with Shanahan, and a defense that is top five when fully healthy. When you're number three overall pick, you're not supposed to be getting all of that, right? Usually you're walking into a rebuild or a dysfunctional place, right? That's not the case over here. And that's why also, you know, they're they're really adamant they're going to keep Jimmy Garoppolo. I actually believe them because I really believe that they want to start off with Jimmy and then eventually hand it over to Trey Lance. And I think that's, how, that's what is going to happen unless they get blown away with an offer for Jimmy Garoppolo, similar to what happened with Philadelphia a few years ago with Sam Bradford and Carson Wentz, if you recall, right? They yeah. were going with yeah. Sam Bradford and Sam Bradford, and all of a sudden the Teddy injury happens in Minnesota, and they're able to get a first-round pick, and they're like, hey, Carson Wentz, this is your job. Do your thing, right? And it's kind of funny. It's a similar situation with North Dakota State quarterbacks as well. So um, it, it's, it's it's fascinating over there, but I think they're going to start off with Jimmy, and again, whichever quarterback landed over here, no quarterback is getting a better situation than San Francisco. Well said. Yeah, well said. Which leads you to believe that someone like Lance, who doesn't have a lot of experience and hasn't played against elite competition, it's the perfect place for him to go. Um, you know, I think he the comparisons, we, we've kind of heard the Steve McNair, Dak Prescott. Um, I, he's kind of got all that, you know, and, and uh, for him to come in is considered one of the smartest players uh, in this draft. I mean, everyone said the same thing about him. Incredibly intelligent. I think he'll he'll pick up the offense. It is a very tough offense to learn, but he'll pick it up. And like you said, the weapons there as well. The Trent Williams thing can't be discounted. If I'm a Niners fan, you know you have a really good roster, and now you have a future quarterback and I think a future star. 
Yeah, Lance's intelligence is something that really blew away the 49ers, and that was one of the things that they really valued in all this besides for his play and his fit in the offense. That's another thing that they really liked about him, and ultimately, he's the pick in number three. He is the future at the position for Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. Now, the next two picks in this draft were really fascinating to me because we'll be looking back at it in two years, maybe even less than that, because at number four, the Falcons went tight end over a future quarterback. And then at number five, the Bengals went wide receiver over an offensive tackle. What did you think of those two picks? Was that the right decision to make? So I'll start with, you said Atlanta with Pitts? Pitts over a quarterback, yeah. yeah. So I, I like I love that because Matt Ryan's 36. And I think this is one more hurrah with him. Um the, I I love it from the perspective of if they ultimately, assuming they keep Julio, to have Pitts, Julio, and Calvin Ridley is is really going to be fun to watch. Okay, so selfishly, I want to see that. And if if Pitts really is this once in a generation, once in a lifetime type of talent, which it really does appear he is, then you can't pass that up. Forget the tight end thing. Said this, he's really just a weapon. Um, you know, he he's just a he's not a normal tight end you know he's kind of you think about George Kittle he has that ability and then you think about the fifth pick now I the 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 whole concept for Cincinnati for me was protect Joe Burrow get Penny Sewell and you know just make Joe Burrow's life so much easier but then for Jamar Chase his former teammate to fall into their lap and now you pair him up with Tyler Boyd and T Higgins now all of a sudden the Bengals to me are going to be one of the most explosive offenses in the league. And they still have a ton of holes, but uh, defensively and the offensive line, we know struggled a lot last year and Burrow missed most of the season. But I think it's really hard to say, don't take Jamar Chase, who by some people's measures was the best receiving prospect of the last decade in somewhere in that vicinity. So I, I don't have a problem with either pick. And uh, by the way, I forgot to say this. We did a live draft show, myself and Austin Eckler, and we had Raheem Mostert on when the Niners drafted Lance, and he was fired up. I, I meant to add that. It's a little, you know, a little nugget in there. <laughs> I'm excited to see uh, him and him and Lance in that in that backfield. But anyways, going back to th th these picks, th I, if I'm if I'm a, a casual NFL fan, I'd probably be more perplexed by Atlanta taking Pitts just because Matt Ryan we know is on the very tail end of his career. So. Um, that would probably be the one that was more vexing, but I understand and, and really did like both of them. So yeah, for me, there was a lot of talk about, about these two picks, right? And when it came to Atlanta, the one thing that I was being told a lot was that the Matt Ryan contract is really, really difficult to get out of, not just for this year, but for next year, right? So it didn't get as much pushback as I thought it would. The Bengals pick got way more pushback than anything because... We all know what happened to Joe Burrow last year. We all know it's become easier to find wide receivers in the NFL. Like, even last year, Cincinnati, T. Higgins was a second-round pick. A.J. Brown was a second-round pick. D.K. Metcalf was in the second round. Terry McLaurin was a third-round pick. Finding receivers has become easier, quote-unquote, or not as easy, at least, as offensive tackle. And when you look at Cincinnati, the main priority there should be protecting Joe Burrow. But on the other hand... What I heard about Jamar Chase, and you mentioned it, 
there's a lot of people who believe this guy is going to be a superstar in the NFL and not just your average receiver. He's going to be one of those top three, four receivers in the NFL. And the chemistry is already there with Joe Burrow from LSU. So why not pair them up again? So that's going to be fascinating to watch these next few years. And we'll know right away if this was the right pick or not. If Joe Burrow is getting sacked a lot next year, we'll be looking back at this pick and saying, you guys kind of messed up there. You had two offensive tackles available, and you went with a skill position. And well, think about Detroit. You know, they don't have to do anything, and Sewell falls into their lap. Which that's is like, the team I want to talk about right now, because you know how I mentioned how I see Joe Douglas's vision? The other team that I think has a vision, I believe will finally turn it around in a couple of years, is Detroit. Brad Holmes is a talent evaluator at heart. And he's going to build this team the right way. And it's going to take some time. But I believe in him. And he's building from the inside out. Trenches will be the focus first. And we saw in that draft, Panay Sewell just falling to them. Are you with me on Detroit? I believe it's going to take yeah. maybe a year or two. They have two first-round picks next year and the year after that. I think this is a team that's going the right direction for once. A really interesting point. Um, they haven't been relevant, this franchise, my whole life. I'm 35. I'm, I don't remember the Lions consistently being relevant. Even, I mean, I was almost too young for Barry Sanders, but even then. So you think about what they've done. They ultimately still believe that Jeff Kuda, top pick last year, is going to be a shutdown corner despite his, his brutal rookie year. So now you think about Jared Goff, who is still going to be, like, they, for better or worse, he's their guy. And so what did they do? They got Amonra St. Brown, Amonra St. Brown from USC. Um, they, they have DeAndre Swift, who by all intents and purposes, is going to be a big-time running back. We, we saw it. They, they have a pretty damn good edge. They have a, a Panay Sewell, who this left tackle kind of dancing bear, who is really going to be a superstar, I think, from day one, and is probably going to be one of the premier tackles in the league for the next, next decade. And then don't forget, they drafted my guy, Levi Anzuruki. I want to pronounce that right. Levi Anzuruki from Washington, who is an instant impact defensive tackle. So I just named off seven or eight guys that I think are going to be huge for them right away. And they have a new head coach who wants to break kneecaps. So I'm excited about the Lions. When you look at their offseason, Jordan, you know, you look at what they've done. Tyrell Williams, Jamal Williams, Michael Brockers, right? Nothing flashy, one-year deals there. But these are guys who are going to be veteran leaders, quality players on a roster that is rebuilding. You look at their draft. Offensive tackle round one, defensive tackle round two. Those are building blocks for the future. They're not players that the average fan is looking forward to. You're not buying their jersey, right? It's not Devontae Smith, but they're guys who are going to be there for the next 10, 12 years and are going to make that franchise relevant again because those are really, you start from the trenches, right? That's what Brad Holmes is doing. And remember, Brad Holmes was with the Rams for 17 years. He's a talent evaluator at heart, like I said before. And he got a six-year deal to come to Detroit. So did Dan Campbell, which basically means it's very rare to get that. Ownership is telling them, you have time to do this your way. Take your time. There's no pressure. Fix our organization up, and we're not going to disturb you. That is basically what the um, ownership is telling them. So they're going to take their time. They have two first-round picks next year. They have two first-round picks the year after that. And I don't know if Jared Goff is the guy. I really don't. I think they took that offer from the Rams because of the two first-round picks in future years when the combine will be back, when they will be able to evaluate all these players, when they will have medicals on all these players, right? That is what Brad Holmes loved to do, loves to do. And I think in a couple of years from now, they are finally going to have so many building blocks on this roster that 
that eventually Detroit will become relevant again and it's going to be a really good team. It's not going to happen this year. It might not happen next year, but it's going to happen eventually and they have time to do this. There's no pressure. There's no worrying that you might get fired because you went 3-14 and, and 14 this year or whatever it is. Whatever the case is, they're putting together a roster with a lot of key players for the future and they have picks now and i really believe that eventually we're going to see a detroit team that will be relevant i really believe that yeah well said yeah well said i'm in agreement i'm in agreement <laughs> okay great i i got all that out but let's take an nfc north here because we talked about justin fields before what did you think of chicago moving up for justin fields and getting him to be the face of the franchise i loved it i loved it i mean we we just said who the Lions haven't been relevant. Well, the Bears haven't had a quarterback ever for me. I mean, they, they went to Super Bowl with, with Russ Grossman, but they, they've never really had a quarterback. And we know that Trubisky's situation was a disaster. He's gone. Another team that believes their roster is really good. They have a good defense. Um, you know, Allen Robinson, who they tagged again, is who I've gotten to know pr- pretty well and I know has been really frustrated. Uh, he's terrific. And you give him someone, Justin Fields, who can move the pocket, has played in big games, has played through injuries in the college football playoff. And I've talked to Sean Wade and Trey Sermon, his former Ohio State teammates that are now in the NFL. And they both say the guy's an absolute dog. You know, he really is. And I I just think Justin Fields has whatever you want to say it factor. I think Justin Fields has it. I think he's smart. I think he's he's been on the spot in the spotlight basically since his freshman year of high school. He was heavily recruited, and really every step of the way, even right after he leaves Georgia, with all the pressure of Ohio State, every step of the way he succeeded. So I, I, I think it was a great move. They gave up a fair amount to get him. You knew they had to. And now all of a sudden, you think about the NFC North. If Rodgers were to stay, think about these quarterbacks. Rodgers, Cousins, um, Goff potentially, and then Justin Fields. All of a sudden, Chicago in theory – Chicago, in theory, could have the best quarterback for the next decade. I mean, that's how talented Justin Fields is. It's been a really long time since we've seen Chicago football fans just united on one thing. Like, they all love Justin Fields. And I'll be honest with you, I was shocked that they were able to do it because I thought ownership would not allow them to do this, considering that Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, I mean, we all know they're on the hot seat. They have a bad year this year. They're gone. And ownership let them not only get a quarterback, trade up for a quarterback, and give up a first-round pick in order to get him. That means if Chicago has a bad year this year, and let's just say Ryan Pace is fired, the new GM is going to come into a situation without a first-round pick and with a quarterback that was hand-picked by the other GM. So I was shocked that happened, but if you look at the Bears, we both agree that I think Justin Fields is a phenomenal quarterback and should do well. They move up and get him. The Bears' defense is still very good, obviously. Khalil Mack, Eddie Jackson. The wide receiver room, Darnell Mooney is another player they really like. Allen Robinson on the franchise tag. I know he's not happy about that, but he's going to be there this year. Cole Komet at tight end. They have pieces there, and... All of a sudden, Chicago Bears fans are excited once again, and that's what's really what makes the draft so fun, right? Bears fans came into this draft being miserable about Andy Dalton being their quarterback, and now all of a sudden they're all hopeful that they have their franchise quarterback for the next 10-plus years. That is what makes the draft so fun. You know, Fields is going to be the future of this organization and potentially the best quarterback in this division for a long time, and there was a lot of pressure 
as we know, on both Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace to win in this draft. And, you know, Pace has always said he wants to be aggressive. We saw what happened with Trubisky, him moving up to get him. The fact that they have Justin Fields now in their locker room, they finally have an identity. And, you know, Bill Lazor has been, uh, I I think, is a very good coordinator who's going to help him quickly, help Fields quickly develop. And uh, don't forget about Darnell Mooney either, a good young receiver. So Mm -hmm. I'm excited about the Bears. I mean, that that division is really exciting because, uh, I mean, there's no reason why Minnesota can't win 10 games, by the way. So I'm, I'm fired up. Definitely. And all of a sudden for me, you know, Chicago, first of all, we know how crazy their fans are. I think Justin Fields is starting from day one just based off, you know, the fans' reaction there if it's not him. But the Bears are right now for sure a team that I want to watch next year. Now if the draft in the books, let's wrap this up with this. Is there an up-and-coming team in the NFL that you are excited to watch next year? Like for me, I really want to watch Carolina. And I really want to watch the Chargers. I think those two teams quickly come to mind for me. Any teams for you that you really cannot wait to watch right now to see what they have going? Great call on, on the Chargers. Yeah, I, I, dude, the Chargers are, I mean, I mentioned Austin Eckler earlier. You think about that offense and another year, a, a, a full, well, maybe not a full summer because of the COVID situation, but a real opportunity for Justin Herbert to learn the playbook more. Uh, get his work in, understand what the NFL is all about. And you bring back a healthy Derwin James. And you think about drafting Asante Samuel Jr., who's going to be a really good corner. Um, they're really excited about Jalen Guyton, uh, a young receiver. Um, they've been active. And then I just think from an offensive standpoint, that team is going to be – I mean, I don't know if it'll be the Chiefs, but, you know, Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Eckler, Josh Kelly – uh, the line, I think they have an opportunity to be a, a 100% a top five offense. And because of James coming back and the health of that, of that um, defense, it's going to be a really exciting team. Um, and then I, who am I? Oh, and, and they drafted Rashawn Slater, who That's... some scouts had higher than Penny Sewell. I didn't, but to bring in Rashawn Slater, who can instantly start a left tackle or a guard, is going to make a huge impact with Justin Herbert. I'm really excited. To see what the Chargers do. I think Brandon Staley is going to be really good for them. Um, trying to think of another team though that could that could pop. I mean, you know, I I've been pretty confident that the Giants are going to take a step forward. And you know, Daniel Jones, year three, fully healthy. Saquon, fully healthy. At least we we hope so. They bring in Kenny Galladay. Drafting Kadarius Tony at twenty. They move back from Florida, who um, is a beast. I mean, I I, I think Kadarius Tony has a lot of the kind of um, kind of he has a lot of that Jalen Waddle kind of or even that Debo Samuel type where you can move him all over the field. He's really good after the catch. He can be used in the running game. He'll make life a lot easier for Daniel Jones. So um, I'm very excited about the Giants because I and I haven't mentioned the defense, but defensively we saw last year against some of the league's best teams. They did very well. So the Giants would be kind of a super sleeper for me here if they can stay healthy which means Jones and Barkley. There's no reason in my mind why they can't make a run at the NFC East and, and get into the playoffs. 
Yeah, you know, Daniel Jones, year three, and really no excuses anymore, right? Saquon, as you said, is returning from the ACL. Kenny Galladay is signed. They have Shepard. They have Slayton. You add Tony. You have Ingram. You have Kyle Rudolph. The offensive line, of course, going into now a second year of Andrew Thomas, the left tackle position. And Joe Judge in year two, a coach that a lot of people are really high on. And you mentioned the Chargers. I mean, there's really no team in the NFL that revamped their offensive line the way the Chargers yeah. did this offseason. They, 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 they knew. They knew. They said, okay, we have a superstar quarterback. What's the only thing left to do? Protect him. Protect and that, him. And they did it. And that's now going back to Cincinnati, where a lot of people were really giving them some right. backlash. And that's really where it comes from. You know, you have Herbert, give him a left tackle, sign the all-pro center from Green Bay, Corey Lindsley, boom, that offensive tackle. I mean, the, the offensive line is all of a sudden a top 10 offensive line compared to being a bottom 10 offensive line. And Cincinnati really didn't address that over the course of the offseason, right? They signed Riley Reef. They passed on the offensive tackle in the first round. They get one in the second round. It's going to be interesting to see how, how those two teams work because two top um, top quarterbacks drafted last year one team goes all in on protection the other team is like we'll wait and get it and I want to see how that ends up going because we saw Justin Herbert last year he got thrown in in week two was spectacular one offense rookie of the year and now he has even more help to continue crushing it I'm really yeah and, and, and that's absolutely right and I've talked to you know Eckler Austin uh Hunter Henry um Tyrell Williams, who's on the Lions now, the former Charger, and they, and they all just sing the praises of Herbert in terms of his intelligence, and that he's just off the charts. And he's got that same kind of Trevor Lawrence frame, you know, 6'6", athletic, great arm. We, we, I mean, we've seen it at the highest level. So I'm really excited about him. And going back to the Giants, um, the one guy I should mention, too, is Aziz Ojolari from Georgia, who yeah, I think is just going to be an instant edge rushing impact and just a fantastic young player that will fit the DNA of not only Joe Judge, but obviously Dave Gettleman as well. And, and you mentioned Joe Judge. I mean, I, I've, talked to, I've talked to Daniel Jones about him. He thinks he's terrific. They, if they can sync up and really come together in this year three for Jones um, and Judge being a young head coach in this league, Again, I, I really do think the Giants have an opportunity to be a, a big, uh, one of the more improved teams in the whole league. Yeah, and one more thing on Daniel Jones before I let you go. If he does not have the season the Giants are expecting, the Giants next year now have two first-round picks, which means they could always move up for a quarterback in the draft. They could always trade for one of these disgruntled quarterbacks because there are clearly a few of them out there that might not get traded this year, but they could get traded next year. So there is a lot of pressure on him to do well this year. The Giants got him all the weapons in the world. They're all expected, obviously, to be healthy, especially Saquon being the key one there. So if he does not have a big year, keep that in mind with the Giants going into next offseason that they could be looking for a new quarterback next year and they do have two first round picks all right Jordan, i really want to thank you for coming on the podcast here today i appreciate it people could follow you on twitter it is at schultz underscore report on instagram where you are absolutely crushing it it is at jordan schultz let's do this again very soon my man sure buddy 100 and as always a pleasure